0: Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle podcast brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Steve Copeland. Now Steve has been on before, but for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do?
1: Yes, greetings everyone. Good to see you, Andrew and Daphne. Steve Copeland, I am live in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm very involved in the pro-life movement among the many things I do.
0: And uh, we'll put links, uh, or for people that want to find out more, where can they do that?
1: Uh, From the pro-life perspective, lcfriends.org. And uh, there's another one called missionfieldusa.com. That's uh, an evangelistic organization. And there's some others out there, but uh, they're not finalized yet.
0: Okay. And I'll put those links in the description. So for people listening, they're there ready for you to go and check out. Um, Steve, uh, today is a historic ruling out of the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, for people that maybe are not familiar with what this is, can you just explain what Roe v. Wade is and then give us your initial reaction to it?
1: Yes. In 1973, the Supreme court of the United States uh, divide, uh, decided by a seven to two decision to legalize abortion, uh, not only in a single individual case, but in all 50 States. And uh they based it on certain uh, principles they identified in the Constitution, uh, referring to particularly the 14th Amendment uh, in, uh, due, related to d- due process, but also uh, they uh, based it on what they call the right to privacy. And uh, many people, including people who agreed with the decision, didn't feel like it was good law that was uh, – Uh, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, you know, was very pro-abortion, but she felt like the justification in that case was not very strong.
0: Hmm. And then uh, the ruling came out today that they have now overturned that, um, which is historic. Uh, What's your initial reaction?
1: Yeah, just to add to that, in the early 1990s, there was a subsequent case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey that upheld the first Uh, determination in the Roe case, and today the Supreme Court – and I'll read it just because I think it speaks for itself – held that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. And uh, that basically says that it goes back to each individual state and leaves it in the hands of the states and the people which is part of the original design of our constitution so while it doesn't end abortion it then gives each state the opportunity to make its own determination on this issue hmm. yeah
2: and what what is your personal reaction to this
1: well, it's a very positive in a few senses. Number one is uh, the Lord, I believe, is speaking to Western nations, but particularly in the United States. Those scriptures from Deuteronomy, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I, and, I, uh, and then choose life that it may go well for your descendants and, uh, and the other aspects of that scripture. So I believe the Lord is bringing this issue to the light for our nation to repent of this national sin. That's horrific. Uh, from a personal perspective, it's wonderful. Uh, from uh, someone who uh, manages one of the three thousand pro-life pregnancy centers in America, this is a very positive step, and and we hope and we expect to see more clients than we did before because. Our purposes are to reach these women with loving hands, with the good news of the gospel, and with practical assistance once they have their babies, they make that choice to have life. Now, in Tennessee, we have what's called a trigger law, and the abortion is immediately illegal in Tennessee, where I am. And some, I think about a dozen states have that. Others have somewhere halfway in between, and there's states like California, new york illinois massachusetts whatever that are going to have more liberalized abortion law so we're going to see a nation with uh, more division and how it uh, functions in this realm
0: so as of right now tennessee and there's a number of other states that actually off the back of this ruling abortion is now completely illegal
1: that is correct uh we have a trigger law that said if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then abortion is automatically illegal in the state of Tennessee. P uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood and others like them have been planning for this and have already created mechanisms by which they can try to steer clients to states that do legalize abortion and have legalized abortion. In our case, The nearest state will be the state of Illinois, quite a distance away from uh, where we are.
0: Yeah, and I know that there are certain companies that had already said if this was to happen, even those companies would pay your expenses to travel to other states to have abortions. What do you think the odds are that places like Tennessee, maybe they they loosen up on that? They say, you know, it won't make it completely illegal. We'll revert to a, a heartbeat law or something like that.
1: Well, I think uh, Tennessee, I think, will be steadfast, as will a number of other states. Uh, The leadership in both uh, the governors and the state legislatures are very strongly pro-life, so I don't anticipate any movement away from this uh, in these states. Uh, There are other states which will find some so-called middle ground. It's hard to imagine middle ground when you're talking about life and death, but I think before – within six months to a year, we'll see at least half the states in the United States where it's almost impossible to have an abortion. That's a step forward. But to quote some famous person from your side of the pond, this is not the end, nor is it the beginning of the end, but rather it's the end of the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what do you anticipate in the U.S.? Happening across the nation as a response to this, I mean, do you anticipate universal hallelujah, or <laughs> not quite? I think. What What do you see happening already, and what do you anticipate happening?
1: Well, I anticipate almost every imaginable response. Uh, we've been encouraging people for months now to pray for restraint of evil, for uh, violence, and. Uh, you know, over the top reactions to this. Uh, This is a matter that is best determined by the people through the processes the government set up and not by revolutionary style tactics. But unfortunately, we're living in that age of lawlessness. We're living in the age of apostasy. We're living in the age of where the Lord is shaking all things so that only that which is unshakable remains. So we could see some difficulties, but we hope not. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, came and visited with us this week to let us know that they had no uh, recorded evidence of any imminent threats and asked if we knew of any uh, for us, and we don't. But there are other communities in the country that have received real threats, and we're trusting those uh, promises from that uh, experience that Elisha and his servant had, those who are with us are more than those who are with our adversaries, that the angelic host will uh, restrain evil uh, in this matter. And more than that, that many hearts will be pricked by the Holy Spirit to realize that, as I did when I was pro-abortion, I was wrong. (laughs) And uh, that's the most blessed place to be in with the Lord is admit you're wrong and then say, I repent of this and turn to Christ.
0: Yeah. I guess the sad thing is that the FBI felt the need to check that you may have had threats and to see if you knew of any, I guess they are somewhat anticipating that this may be uh, an outcome of this.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a, there's a radical group called James revenge that, had already been involved in the vandalism, firebombing or uh, desecration of 40 pregnancy centers around the country over the last six to nine months. And they had issued a warning called the Night of Rage that on the night of the decision, if the decision came out as it has, uh, they encouraged uh, violence and rage in front of every pregnancy center in the United States. We'll see what materializes. God has the last word over such things.
0: Yeah, well, and I've already seen footage of um, government officials in the U.S. calling for uh, people to hit the streets and fight for their rights. And, of course, I remember a, a previous member of the U.S. government who did apparently similar things use certain rhetoric to incite violence so they say and mm-hmm. try to impeach him for that uh i imagine that they will try to impeach these uh, members of of government as well
1: <laughs> i'm not sure what will happen i think uh maybe, you know yeah, maybe our not. nation i know you're speaking tongue-in-cheek in a bit there but uh, i know our nation is in desperate need of turning to God, turning to the Lord, as is Britain. I, I, when I pray for one nation, Britain or America, I pray for the other, because these last bastions of freedom and democracy that impacted the world for Christ, unlike two other, any two other nations in history, are now so far away from the Lord. Uh, and uh, they both nations before the Lord's coming need a great awakening, great revival. And it'll be over these issues, issues of abortion, Uh, issues of same-sex marriage, issues of dealing with Israel. These are the watershed issues that bring judgment or salvation to a nation.
0: Yeah, and I know that for us and for you, whatever this ruling had been, it wouldn't have changed our perspective. Because for us, our perspective is not the most important. For us, what the government says is not the most important. What matters to us first and foremost is ultimately what God says. And if what we think doesn't line up with what he says, well, then who are we to say God must have it wrong? So he should fall in line. You know, (laughs) so ultimately for us, this decision doesn't change anything about how we see things. That's right.
1: Amen. Uh, for me personally, uh, I, I believed in over the last several months this day would come for many years. I've never imagined it. But it really doesn't change who we are. We're in Christ uh, as ambassadors, pleading with people, bringing the ministry of reconciliation, no matter what is going on around us, whether it be good or bad. And uh, we just need to stay steadfast. Once God has placed us in Christ, we're secure in him and can go forward. And not play the holy huddle type of Christianity or the worldly Christianity, or it's about me Christianity, but to take up our cross and follow him and proclaim the good news of salvation day to day. So that's what we do. And if the economy's up, the economy's down, gas prices up, gas prices down, abortion this, pro-life that, we press forward because our God reigns. So we go forward.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh- Amen, amen. You know, I've been thinking on a personal level, um, which is where you have to start, about the small ways we can compromise on these issues. Just small ways. Um, Well, I'm putting that in inverted commas. But I, you know, I have been seeing... I won't say what the organisation is, but I know what Andrew was referring to about them, the the one that we do know, offering to pay for women to go uh, and to a state where they can have an abortion. And, I i mean, that has made that organisation an absolute no, no, no for me to have anything to do with it. But I think back about the other red flags I had about this organisation And I didn't take notice and I still had to do with it and I still bought from it, still went to it. You would buy
0: something but there would be this niggling thought in the back of your mind. Yeah,
2: but I thought, oh, well, you know. And this one has made it like, no, you can't any longer. But my challenge to myself is why didn't I react in the same way to those other red flags when they came? And the whole issue of compromise is massive these days. And I think... For me, this has been a wake-up call, not just because it's a big issue, which it is, but because it should be making taking notice of all the small things that are going on that will gradually erode God's purpose and plan.
1: Yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Over the last few years, I've spent a lot of late hours at night reviewing different people who are, so-called ministers and what they're sharing. And I'm not talking about off the deep end people like, uh, you know, people who are prosperity people, whatever like that, but, and it's, it's a, a sad thing. And it makes one say, Lord, search my heart, try me to see if there's any hurtful or wrongful way in me. But so many have compromised on these issues and others. And it begins first and foremost with the veracity of the word of God. If we, if we think that we are smarter than God's word or God didn't understand that what it would be like in the 21st century, when he wrote something, then we begin down that slippery slope and we must always let the word of God judge us rather than vice versa. So it yeah. begins there having a living relationship through the Holy spirit, real fellowship with real brothers and sisters who will speak into our lives and a dog, you know, a dogged determination that I though none may follow, I'm still going after you, Lord. <laughs> Hopefully others will, but I must press on to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus.
2: So, like you said just now, I can't say it as eloquently because I don't know who you were quoting, even though they were British, about this is just the start of the beginning. It's not the end. Yeah, there was
1: uh, Churchill uh, during yeah. the, uh, World War II when, after one of the early Allied victories, which was not much of a victory, but he just wanted to assure everyone this is not the end or the beginning of the end, but rather the end of the beginning. So for those of us in the pro-life movement, uh, we we can say hallelujah, we can celebrate for a moment, but we've got a lot of work to do because our calling is a calling that never ends until we breathe our last breath. And with
2: that, with that, is it- Coming, I know, from the pro-life movement, as well as other places, it's not just that you're going to have more women coming, but you need an army rising out because there will be more babies. The the whole adoption issue needs to come higher in everybody's agenda. Adoption isn't um, an idea, it's a command in scripture. And uh, so it it is good for those that have thought, well, this is over. No, it's the start of the body of Christ rising up in many, many ways, isn't it? To support organizations like yours, which is going to need to support these women in many ways for adoption, for fostering all these. It's just the the gun has gone off in a way to start to continue the race. Yes.
1: And uh, for example, we at where I am life choices, even though we're focused on women in in these crisis pregnancies and walking them through that, we also have an adoption agency. We also have many other programs equipping them with life skills of motherhood, of how to use, how to manage money and practical discipleship and spiritual training And also we have, uh, in the early stages, a program for the men as well, because we don't have a crisis with crisis pregnancies without a man and a woman. So working on that. So it's really up to organizations like ours to be on the front line. We know the government approach to these things never really hits the mark. It just uh, becomes a self-sustaining bureaucracy. And uh, it's really up to those and those who know the Lord Jesus. Yeah, we need to follow the Lord's commands and do more than just uh, play church, but we need to be the living, breathing, organic body of Christ.
0: Yeah, I know I've already started to see online. I mean, all kinds of things posted. Uh, Someone, someone, I mean, I'm English. I don't have a gun issue. Um, It's not my I don't have a dog in the fight. But, um, you know, some are saying, well, now guns have more rights than babies do, uh, than women do, sorry, Um, which I thought, uh, I just can't stand silly arguments. I mean, guns are inanimate objects. They have no rights at all. Uh, It's the people that have the rights for the guns. Anyway, who am I to pick apart this? Like I said, I have no dog in the fight. But, you know, you're starting to see these kinds of things put out there. Someone else said, well, I hope for everyone who's, for this they're now going to put their money forward open up their host ta- houses uh, take in the kids the set and the other you're going to be the answer to all these women who are now going to be stuck with their babies yeah. um you know people talking about uh the high risk for women um getting pregnant that it could cause health issues for them possibly even kill them because they're pregnant even though we're now talking about far less than even one percent of women that are pregnant um you know for people that uh, this is a very emotionally charged subject for both sides um not just for one emotions are going to be running high all over the place um what advice you would you give for people who are pro-life um and are going gung-ho uh throwing this out there in everyone's faces you know how how as pro-lifers, as, as Christians may be, how should we be handling this uh, in responding to people that are so emotional from the other side?
1: Right. Well, uh, the emotions uh, that are on both sides in in many cases are legitimate and in other cases are just uh, not factually based. Uh, a national news organization contacted me earlier this week uh, about this issue and I said one of the great untold stories in America that should be told but you know the news tends to only report the things that aren't going well it doesn't generally have a you know 30 minutes of news of all that's going right in America today but these pregnancy medical centers across the nation have facilitated many many adoptions have facilitated the birth of many many children have brought significant provision to these women, and many others have helped keep families together, have avoided all sorts of much worse pitfalls that would have happened in the lives of those had they had an abortion. That's one thing. So, And most people don't know about it because we're not sitting here promoting ourselves. We're just going about doing our father's business. On the other hand, there's the reality of this. And this is where the the message that the president of the United States delivered today was was fundamentally wrong. And he knows it, I believe, was as he kept contradicting himself as he went through what he had to say is this does not outlaw abortion in the United States. It says that abortion was not intended to be a national issue in accordance with the Constitution, that it should go back to the states and to the peoples of each individual state. That's a unique design of our country that is not very common in other places in the world. So whether if, if somebody wants an abortion, they can go to New York, they can go to California, they can go to uh, Illinois, or any and one of a whole host of other places. But this is an opportunity, really, and that comes back to the spiritual element. The Lord is speaking to America. I set before you today life or death. Choose life. It's a chance to repent of a national sin that's us in the sight of God. And because of the de- blood of one man murdered, uh, uh, Abel spoke out from the ground. We can only imagine what it's from 63 million babies. So it's a time for reflection. And those of us in responding, we need to say, hey, we, we meet the needs of these women in a loving, non judgmental way. But we're not backing down on what God says in his word that we must repent as a nation, not only for this, but for the other matters I mentioned, and a lot more than that, that what's hanging in the balance is a lot worse if we don't move in the right direction at this time. So it's a and it'll win some, it'll cause others to get more uh, angry, and uh, but we'll love people anyway and we'll overcome evil with good. Mm-hmm.
0: Earlier on, you said you used to be pro-abortion. Um, what was it that changed your mind?
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in a non-believing home and uh, never read a Bible till I was in college. Never even knew what anything said in the Bible. But uh, after college, I was, and um, uh, I was in high school when Roe versus Wade uh, became law, and I remember they did a survey who was for it, who's against it. Well, at that time in New York, almost everyone in the class raised their hand against it. I was just one of three that said, I'm for the decision Roe versus Wade. I didn't really understand it. Uh, and I you know, bought into the, a lot of the nomenclature about rights and all this kind of stuff. But it was the encounter with Jesus Christ that made me realize that this is murder. This is a crime against heaven. Not just a crime against an unborn child, but a crime against God, and that uh, to do this brings judgment on an individual and judgment on a family and judgment on a community and judgment on a nation. So uh, when Christ came into my heart, I was uh, almost 24 years old that was a turning point on that issue, as well as a lot of other issues. I immediately knew the Bible was the Word of God. I immediately knew that uh, evolution was a lie, that creation was true, and I immediately knew a lot of things that just came clear because I was actually converted. I was really born again. I had actually repented of my sins. I was not a cultural Christian. I was a guy who had been going along all these years thinking That I knew everything, and then I realized I don't know anything, and God showed me, and he showed me both by tremendous conviction of the Holy Spirit, but also in the Word of God, uh, these matters. There are six things the Lord hates, yea, seven which are an abomination to him, one of them being hands that shed innocent blood. There's no escaping that when one reads it in the light of the Holy Spirit, that that's what abortion is, hands that shed innocent blood. So... Uh, that's how it happened to me, and uh, may it happen to many others.
2: I think it's easy to think, okay, you were born again and you weren't born again, and that was the dividing line. But as you look across and you see comments and hear people speaking, the dividing line does not seem to be born again or not born again. You've got people who are not born again, who are pro-life. And I hate to say it, but you've got people who presumably are born again and they're pro-abortion. So, right. you know, I've been thinking this through if you've been speaking. I was thinking, <laughs> well, it's the answer to pray that these people come to Jesus. Yes, it is, because they need Jesus anyway. But the dividing line isn't between the saved and unsaved in this. How do you... How do you handle this when you know somebody, presumably as a follower of Jesus, but they're pro-abortion? How do you navigate that one?
1: You know, it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of factors that come into play, but there's like a current, a spiritual current of apostasy that's drawing people away from the truth of the word of God and even Christians seem to be getting caught in it, or apparent Christians, maybe they're not. Uh, So that's one reason, and and it's not just on the issue of abortion, it's on the issue of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, gender transition, or social justice, uh, which I think all of us are for uh, fairness and not for discrimination, you know, we think rightly on this, but to then reconstitute in a humanistic worldview. We're not for that at all. Uh, and that that current is running and we're all, everyone's in it, getting caught in it. Even, you know, if you're on fire with the Lord, you just have to say, in Jesus' name, I reject that. And I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Uh, it is interesting. You know, there are those who were rooted in a Judeo-Christian environment that seem it may not be born again, but they actually embrace the pro-life. You know, it's interesting, Joe Biden was adamantly pro life for a number of years in the early days of his career in the United States Senate. But, uh, and as have others in the past, former Vice President Gore, when he ran for the US Senate in, in Tennessee, he was adamantly pro life. But uh, to be on the national level as a Democrat, you really can't uh, be pro-life. You have to be pro-abortion, even in the most extreme, with very few exceptions. There's about two or three exceptions that I'm aware of to that, that are that way. And, uh, you know, the spirit of the age has descended. A host of wicked spirits in the heavenly places have come down among us, and people are easily persuaded. And it's, it's tragic, but it is spiritual warfare uh perhaps unlike any other time in history. I don't know. I don't wanna I don't want to say it we've got it harder than anyone else because that's not fair because in many ways we could have it easier, but but this is an intense spiritual battle about whether I believe God in his word. And Jesus put it so simply though. He said the thief came to kill, steal and destroy, but I came to give life and that more abundantly. That simplicity of the gospel of Christ, the simplicity that Paul said he betrothed them as a chaste virgin to the, the simplicity of Christ. If we just, if we get moved away from that for some reason, and some people say, well, you're asking me to throw away my thoughts or my free thinking. Well, I'm asking you to obey the word of God. And that's what God says, that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And we need obedience. And obedience goes against often our natural way of understanding things. You
2: know, on a a slight twist on this, but one that we speak about in our conferences, is that when God is about to move, he looks for a leader to lead the people in that movement. And Satan understands sometimes the plans and purposes of God better than the church does. Um, When he was going to deliver, God said, after 400 years, I'll take you back into your nation. He needed somebody to lead the people. So what did he do? He's going to birth a baby. And what does Satan do? He's gonna he knows that among these babies is going to be a leader that's going to lead the people. So he's going to destroy every baby that he could in the land. When yes. uh when time came for the Messiah to be born, Satan knew it. You know, among here was, was God's Messiah. So what's he going to do? He's going to destroy every baby so that he gets the leader who's going to lead us all into freedom. And I think we're in a very significant time in history that is leading towards the coming of our Messiah. It is doing it. And God is looking for leaders to be born, to lead their people into the age that is to come, into the coming of the Messiah, to be in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way for the king. And just maybe... The enemy knows, and I'm sure he knows that time is heading up, so what's he going to try and do again? He's going to destroy all the babies so he can destroy those people who God would choose to lead this next generation into his physical presence before their eyes. So it's a a bit of a twist on the thing, but it is something we speak and, and something we believe and we can see in Scripture.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. At all of the major epoch-changing times in the Scripture, there are a battle over babies, uh, and uh, and it's just the way it is. And as you said, the enemy knows, seems to know God's timetable far better than the Church does. Even looking back at this modern state of Israel, it was very clear the enemy knew something was up. So when he raised up, when Hitler... And then having having engineered this process of extermination, it was because he understood the rebirth of the modern state of Israel was coming, and in that is a as one brother said, the bell is tolling for Satan's final destiny of hell, uh, and so he 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 rises up. But the Lord, of course, again is the overruler of all things, and is using all things for His eternal glory. So. Uh, we know that these babies who've been bur- brutally murdered in their mother's wombs, they're perhaps a large part of those whose souls are under the altar in the book of revelation, crying out how long, O Lord, how long before you, uh, you know, so we, we should be optimistic in these, it means Christ is coming. Christ is, he's even at the door the, the Messiah that th- we're at the threshold of the Messiah, as the ancient rabbi said, And we see all of the signs Jesus said when you see the fig tree and all the trees. Well, the fig tree we know is Israel and all the trees are all these other signs he mentioned that we know summer is near. So we can be very encouraged uh, knowing that every one of these babies is with the Lord and that uh, uh, the enemy knows his time is short and we know our lives are hidden with christ and god so it's a interesting time to live if you had told me this when i was five or ten or fifteen years old i would have said you're crazy but uh now i know i'm crazy but i'm crazy (laughs) for the lord
0: (laughs) yeah as we as we come to the end um maybe looking forward um we're not prophesying or anything but uh, you know well, he can if you can if you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know we we have seen over recent years violence hit the streets for for various reasons for for anti-racism stuff or whatever uh, we see people now calling for uprising for this uh, we've heard previously from government officials in the u.s saying if something like this was to happen they would try to vote to pack the court and um, how do you see this playing out again just gut feelings what do you think may end up unfolding over the next weeks even months
1: If you're referring to America I have uh, several radio shows I do every week and one of them is called Believe it or not Understanding the Times and I didn't steal it from you all but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh Uh, I have said now for quite some time, and will continue to say it, that America is imploding, and I believe before uh, the Lord, this decision of the uh, rapid demise of America is before us, that America needs to be removed from being the world's superpower uh, in order for the next phase of God's purpose to come in. And that means we're facing a political and economic, uh, a, a, a cultural Uh, implosion, and implosion on many different levels, including implosion of religion, which is actually a good thing because, as I've often said, the church will be in business when the church is out of business. So what we'll have is the living expression of the body of Christ in our nation and other nations. And in the context of the demise of the American place in world affairs, uh, which will also will it seems to be bad for Israel, but it's actually good because in Hosea it says that he will hedge her in like thorns that she'll turn from her lovers and return to her husband. And I think America and other nations have been her lovers that have been graciously used of the Lord to hold Israel together, but she's got to turn to the Lord himself. I'm saying all this in this context that I'm still an optimistic, even if all that happens in America, because enough people are seeking the Lord for that great awakening, a move of the spirit in every town village, every city, every community, every rural area, every hinterland, every suburban area for a move of the spirit from sea to shining sea that our final destiny is America, of which we've had a number of very important roles in world history will be that Christ himself has swept across our continent. So that's where I personally feel. Uh, I don't feel uh, we're going to have much longer living the life that we've been used to. And I wish more Christians would actually see that (laughs) most of what we have is tinsel. It's not real. And we need to be totally wedded to Jesus Christ alone. And live by faith now, so when things get more challenging, we can just continue that walk of faith, like in the days of Elijah and others.
2: So, Steve, before we finish, could you finish with prayer? Because this is God's day. Um, We rejoice that a decision has been made that is more in alignment with God's. So, I mean, you know, there's yes. still loopholes in it, etc. But um, you know, I do want to honor the fact that this is his day. And yes. uh, could you pray for, as yes. we close this?
1: Absolutely. Father, we thank you for the determination by the Supreme Court of the United States. Lord, you know for for months and even longer, we said, we prayed, Lord, from Psalm 2, be wise, O kings, be uh, be, uh, uh, fearful, all you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and uh, rejoice with trembling. Lord, we thank you. Many judges today acted in the fear of the Lord. Now, Lord, we pray that you would restrain violence and wickedness and evil in the United States as a result of this decision. Lord, we pray that all the women who are being served and will be served by pregnancy centers will be blessed, and many, many will come to Christ, and many babies will be born. And Lord, many believers will do much more than we're doing now in the areas of adoption and providing for women and their children. And Lord, we pray for that awakening across our our land. Father, we confess that we have taken our abundance and basically have lived selfishly. But Lord, we know that you desire to uh, be poured out uh, among us. Lord, you said in the latter days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Lord, may it be in America. Lord, we do pray for those real intercessors who will weep between the porch and the altar and say, Lord, spare your people from reproach. Lord, we pray that this would be a day when the goodness of God and a tidal wave of God sweeps across our nation and that all the forces of evil in the unseen realm would begin to be routed after all these decades of of repression that they brought upon us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for the power of the cross, and we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen amen thank
0: you steve really appreciate it i know uh well you've been very faithful in this area for many years so, so thank you for that and thank you for taking the time to talk to us i know that i i threw this out to you uh on very short notice so, so thank you for doing that yeah, i really thank appreciate you
2: steve, it. so much all right
1: thank you all
0: thank you for listening to this episode remember if it inspired you share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community